Hi, welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan, no one. (laughs) Hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Today we'll be discussing By the Book by Jasmine Guillory. Beauty, Beast, and Books. Need more? Isabel works in publishing, helping to encourage authors to bring their stories to life. While she enjoys her work, she is feeling underappreciated by her boss. She wishes she could grow her career, and she doesn't really want to be a babysitter for a beastly writer who isn't writing. Bo, the grumpy pants author in this fairy tale, has writer's block and the bad attitude that often accompanies it. He is clearly not prepared for Izzy to intrude upon his domain, armed with tips, tricks, and a spine of steel. Izzy confronts Bo, his bullshit, his writer's block, and his personal baggage. Izzy is clearly good for Bo. But is Bo good for Izzy? There will be spoilers beyond this point, she said rather definitively. (laughs) Now there are spoilers, damn it. Brace yourself. Um, (laughs) so Isabel is living the life, right? Let's, let's learn a little bit about her life, maybe in, in the big city. Sure. So this story has a prologue where Isabel's life is beginning and it's amazing. Woo woo. She just got a job at this wonderful publishing house called A Tale as Old as Time. (laughs) Sure, she lives with her parents, but that probably won't last too long once she gets a promotion. Hint, boss, hint, boss. Fast forward two years in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Things are less good. (laughs) She still has her job, but being an editorial assistant is not really all it's cracked up to be, especially when one has a boss like Marta who gives little to no feedback yay so she doesn't know if she's doing well she doesn't know if she's doing badly she's not sure just feel your way through the job it'll be fine just guess no dude i've had jobs before (laughs) where they don't give you any feedback until that time comes around and then they slam you with stuff it's like if i didn't know i couldn't fix it so exactly (laughs) and if i knew that you thought this was good i would have done more of it (laughs) so (laughs) it's kind of your fault i'm underperforming honestly (laughs) Ooh, sassy i like it (laughs) well no i actually said that to someone once (laughs) again sassy and i like it i'm here for it if i didn't like sassy we wouldn't be friends still (laughs) no there (laughs) there is a reason we are friends (laughs) yes We recognize each other. Yes. (laughs) Kindred spirit. So in addition to Marta not giving a whole lot of feedback, making it kind of hard for Izzy to know if she's doing a good job or not, or if she could actually maybe be getting promoted soon. She also has this coworker named Gavin, who used to be in Izzy's job, and he got promoted, and Izzy got hired to fill his old position. And Gavin according to Izzy, is like a mentor and like great and answers all sorts of questions and helps her out. But I think from the reader viewpoint, at least from my viewpoint, I could tell he was toxic right away. He's pretty awful. Uh Uh-oh. He does a lot of triangulation. Oh, don't talk to Marta. I will 
relay information to you from her, supposedly. Mm. Uh, one of the other things that went wrong with Izzy's life is she used to want to be an author, too, in addition to working in publishing. And she actually wrote a book or a draft. She had Gavin look at it one day and Gavin said it wasn't good. He said, it's a sweet first effort. Oh. <laughs> or something diminishing like that. It was pretty bad. Also, <laughs> also, Izzy kind of feels like a token person of color at her work. Mm. Izzy's black. And I think the only other person of color we hear about that works at this publishing house is her friend Priya. And I don't think any other people are mentioned. I don't remember anybody else being mentioned. But I do know that it was mentioned that Izzy's often brought in for conversations about diversity and whatnot, which sounds great and all, but may or may not be great depending on where that person is coming from. Like, do they want to be the token person of color in that conversation? (laughs) Are they up for explaining the viewpoint of an entire demographic to a group of people who will never truly understand. (laughs) Are they willing to put their job at risk by maybe saying things that are not necessarily going to be taken well? I I don't know. It seems kind of problematic to me. I mean, obviously we want more representation in the workplace. Yes. Among other places. It's great that the company has diversity groups, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it kind of felt like they weren't trying as hard as they could. Yeah. If the only two people who aren't white working at this place are assistants to the editor, <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe not so good. I-, I don't know. If you've experienced something like this, feel free to relate your experience in the comment section, or as a review, or on our socials, because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what I've heard from others. So anyways, I'm gonna dig myself out of this hole (laughs) that I just dove into. You're doing good. Moving on, Gavin also has just come back from a ski trip where apparently Marta was also there. And I guess they palled around, supposedly. And Gavin tells Izzy, Oh, yeah, so I know you've been really wanting to get promoted, but I don't think it's going to happen. Not anytime soon, according to Marta, based on your performance. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Gavin. (laughs) Thanks, Gavin. I mean, to give Izzy some credit, she doesn't think this is fine of him to say, but I think she's also kind of blinded by being disappointed by this news. Yeah. She's a little overwhelmed. (laughs) I wish she had had the opportunity in the story to take a step back and realize, you know what? Let's consider the source. Yeah. And is this something a friend would say? Yeah. She tries to categorize him as a friend or a mentor or something like that, where he actually cares about her and wants her to succeed at her job. However, is that something someone like that would say in that way? I just don't think so. Probably not. Grade A asshole right there. (laughs) So she's been feeling kind of demoralized, I guess, really. She still lives at home, 
Her career in publishing is not going the way she thought it would. Her writing career never really got started. It kind of got shot in the chest by Gavin. And she just isn't really sure why she's doing this anymore. Sure, she likes hanging out with Priya, her friend, who she met through work, but they could still hang out if she didn't work there. (laughs) She kind of wonders if things could have gotten differently if she'd been hired at a different publishing company. This wasn't the only publishing company she applied to. She applied to this other one called Maurice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this book is filled with references to the Beauty and the Beast animated classic from Disney. Yes. But... She didn't get hired there. She had high hopes because she'd met with Josephine, who, does she own the company or she's an editor at the company? I don't know. She's got some power there. Josephine kind of took on like a real mentor role with Izzy. Josephine is, is also a black woman. And so they had some shared connection based on experiences due to that but just in general as well like their interest in publishing and whatnot but she didn't get that job and she kind of thinks to herself well if I had gotten that job maybe I would still be happy Mm. she does have something to look forward to because she and Priya are going to be going to a business conference in LA because I guess some of the bigger authors that need a lot of hand-holding will be at this conference Who better to do that than the lowly peon assistants? (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. Oh, I don't think I said, but this company is based in New York. So she's going across the country to LA. And it's wintertime in New York, which means it's slightly less warm in LA. (laughs) (laughs) Southern California kind of has two seasons, green and brown. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) And wet and dry. (laughs) Anyways, they go to LA. She and Priya share a hotel room. It's cool, but Izzy also feels kind of salty about that because she's sick of living at home and having her parents, who she loves, get all up in her business. And she loves Priya, but boy, would it be nice to have some privacy sometimes. Privacy is nice. They have a good time at the conference. Toward the end of it, they're in like this cocktail party sort of setting. Izzy runs into Josephine, the other editor, and they reconnect. And Josephine seems to be truly interested in how Izzy is doing. She remembers her. She wants to know how her career's going. Izzy is not sure exactly how to navigate this social situation. Part of her wants to vent to Josephine, who she knows would understand. But the other part of her is like, no, I must be professional. <laughs> Josephine kind of sees through the bullshit, though. She's all, oh, so it's that bad, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I liked Josephine. Me too. Josephine gets called away to talk to somebody. And then Izzy happens to overhear Marta complaining about this author, Bo Towers, who still has not turned in his book. So let's talk about Bo. Bo is in his mid-20s, just like Izzy. Bo's father is a famous screenwriter who actually won an Oscar for one of his screenplays. Bo grew up in a life of privilege, I guess, due to who his dad was, you know, having money, but also having a lot of like that, what do you want to call it? Like inherited fame type of thing. His parents are known, therefore he is known. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, he's kind of known for being an asshole. Oops. Getting into fights, wrecking cars, that kind of thing. Marta, about two years ago, approached him with a book offer, wanted him to write a memoir. And he agreed, but then has never produced said memoir. (laughs) And Izzy has been tasked ever since she got hired to send him weekly reminders, which he never responds to. And they've gotten kind of crazy, these (laughs) weekly reminders. Like, she just writes him whatever the fuck she wants. I mean, it's still sort of professional, but hey, did you know it's random holiday day? Snack day or something. Yeah, it was great. Marta has kind of given up, I think, on ever getting this book from Bo. And she's like, you know, someone should just go over there and confront him in person and make him give us the book. (laughs) Izzy's hearing this and she's feeling, I think, maybe a little bolstered from her conversation with Josephine. And she's all, no, I need to do something for myself. I need to prove myself to Marta and show I'm not a dead weight. And so she just randomly joins the conversation Marta's having and goes, oh, I could do that. Since I'm here in California, I could just drive up to Santa Barbara and talk to Bo for you. Marta is like, oh, yes, that's a great idea I just had. Good job, Izzy. (laughs) I'm so good with the ideas. Izzy's adventure has now begun. Her co-workers all go back to New York, where it is cold and gray, and she gets to stay in sunny California. Woo-woo. And drive up the coast to go bother Bo. I think she's going to stay for an extra day, is the original plan. When she gets to Bo's house, it's this really nice place, this really kind of secluded community, and she starts to feel a little nervous. But then she's like, no, I am doing this for me. We know he's going to be an asshole. It's fine. I can handle it. She knocks on the door and a woman answers. And Izzy's like, hi, can I talk to Mr. Towers? And she's all, probably not, but I'll check. <laughs> she, she goes and checks and comes back and is like, no, sorry, he's busy. Izzy's like, oh, dang it. Well, could you give him a message and... He's like, oh, sure. I'll walk with you back to your car and you can give me the message. Izzy's like, oh, great. They're probably trying to make sure I leave. (laughs) All of a sudden, the woman slips. Uh She twists her ankle. She's in great pain. Oh, no. How will I ever get back to the house? (laughs) Woe is me. Izzy says, well, here, let me help you up to the house. And Izzy is in super helper mode. So she gets this woman into the house, situated in the kitchen, gets a bag of frozen peas for her ankle, and they're chit-chatting, and Izzy's gonna give her some ibuprofen out of her purse, and there's like this whole thing, you know? We've learned this woman's name is Michaela. She's Bo's assistant. They're bonding. Michaela seems super nice and cool. And then Bo shows up in the kitchen, and he's like, why are you here? (laughs) No reason. (laughs) Izzy tries to explain Bo finds out that Michaela's hurt he's obviously worried about Michaela so we know he has a heart because he cares about Michaela but he's not very nice to Izzy Izzy's like look whatever you need I'm willing to help you we just want a book if you want to have a ghostwriter that's totally fine if you want to write it yourself, you could call me or message me and I'll give you all the pep talks you want and it'll be great. And Bo's like, fine, give me pep talks. <laughs> She's like, oh, good. And he's like, yeah, you can stay here and give me daily pep talks. So he's like, what? 
<laughs> you want you want me to stay here? Okay. So now she's entered the beast's lair. She's going to be locked in her room. Not literally locked. Thank goodness. <laughs> right? <laughs> Izzy goes up to her room. It's amazing. It's humongous. It has a gorgeous view. It has an ensuite bathroom with a ginormous soaking tub that she immediately falls in love with. I think this is really where this particular thing starts in this book, where the author kind of plays with the idea of like, oh, the items in the house talk to her. I mean, obviously they don't, but Izzy kind of has an active imagination, I guess, throughout the story. And, you know, she has a reciprocal love relationship with this tub, apparently. And... (laughs) There's a lot of little jokes, you know, oh, she swore the inanimate object said something or whatever. Obviously a reference to the to the movie. There's a lot of parallels between the Disney movie Beauty and the Beast and this book. So much so that I went on Goodreads and I looked it up. It's published by Hyperion, which is owned by Disney. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes so much more sense now. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering. I was just like, this this is a little frequent. (laughs) I don't know. The the inanimate objects thing, possibly talking in her imagination, and the idea of this house being a magical place, I guess was fine. It did seem like a lot, those two particular things in general. But I would say throughout the story, there are tons of little callbacks to the movie, like the staircase. And there's one time where she wears a yellow dress and it mirrors like a certain moment in the film, that kind of thing. And I appreciated those things. So I guess you kind of need to be at least a little into the Disney to really appreciate it. Yeah, I think that helps. It's so strange because I watched the Disney movie like as a kid. So therefore, it's like I already went in with that knowledge. It's hard for me to imagine someone reading it and not having that touchstone, which is the power of the mouse, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I think so. And honestly, I mean, Beauty and the Beast was like one of my favorite Mm -hmm. Disney movies. So I've seen it, I don't know, so many times. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the triple digits. I cannot remember the specifics of why, but I remember studying the intro in school. Where the, like the forest and the intro, the visuals. Yeah. Interesting. I, wish I remember yeah. why it was important. It's stuck in my head anyway. My head's an attic. Yeah. So I would say if you haven't seen the movie, you should watch the movie before you read the book. I think you'll gain appreciation for the book if you have that knowledge of the movie. Watch the animated movie. Yes. Important. For multiple reasons. But we'll say it's to better appreciate the story. That's the reason I'm going to say. (laughs) Same page. (laughs) High five. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We do have one of these moments that kind of parallels the movie where Bo is like, you will have dinner with me tonight. Oh, will I? Okay, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I will. She complies initially. She goes down to dinner, but Bo is a total ass, and so she leaves. She's like, fuck this. I don't need to be around you anymore. <laughs> I'm done taking your abuse, dude. And she even plans to actually leave that night. Like, maybe I could still make my flight. I had. But when she gets up to her room, she realizes she had too many glasses of wine. And, well, crap. 
At least I have to sober up first. Damn it. Unfortunate <laughs> turn of events. At one point in the evening, she hears knocking at her door and she doesn't answer it. And then later she opens it and finds a whole tray of dinner and then a little note saying, I'm sorry, from Bo. Izzy kind of suspects it's from Michaela because Bo is such an ass. But who knows? Maybe it's from Bo. We'll find out. The next day, Michaela kind of makes Bo give <laughs> Izzy a house tour. <laughs> well, I would, but my angle. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Bo gives her like the rudest, <laughs> shortest house tour ever. This is a door. This is the kitchen, obviously, because we're standing here. <laughs> this area is forbidden. <laughs> they go into the backyard and there's gardens and orchard and all sorts of fancy rich people stuff. And Izzy's really impressed by this house. She kind of gets kind of snarky with Bo, which is funny. Like, there's one point he's like, this is the orchard. And she's all, oh, is it? Like, really? Are you sure? Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Now, unfortunately, it's the weekend. Michaela's off for the weekend. So Bo and Izzy have to spend time in the house together without this nice buffering influence from the third Bill. party. They do happen to bond over snacks. There's been several pep talks at this point. And Izzy's really good at giving Ryder pep yeah, talks, to is. be fair. But Bo just doesn't <laughs> care. He's like, uh-huh, sure. It's funny. He's like, dance, monkey, dance. And then she does, and he's all, <laughs> They've bonded a little bit. They both love snacks. Bo has this amazing snack cupboard that has basically any snack you can imagine in it. And Izzy's thinking, okay, good. Maybe I'm getting through to him. Maybe this will turn into something. Not only will I help Bo, but potentially help my own career Yay. that could be awesome and then Bo questions her you can't actually believe that a book changed my life nonsense right what do you even do this for anyway and Izzy's like what the <laughs> fuck dude like what is your problem remove head from ass then talk <laughs> wow <laughs> and she just leaves she's like I'm out I have to put up with this shit <laughs> She goes for a nice long walk. She walks all the way to this bookstore, which is amazing and has a nice restorative bookstore moment. But when it's time to go back, she realizes, oh, the walk is all <laughs> uphill now. And oh, it just started raining. This sucks. And she's hating her life. Could I call an Uber? No, they're all 20 minutes away. I don't want to stand here on the side of the road in the rain waiting for an Uber. And so she keeps going, finally makes it up to the house, realizes she's locked out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she is pretty pathetic in this moment. Like she just is really like, oh, why? Why me? Ah, <laughs> oh, been there. <laughs> She's all bedraggled from the rain. <laughs> She's just had this long ass walk up a hill. She knocks on the door. Bo opens it. He looks kind of surprised. I don't think he even <laughs> knew she left. Like, left, left, you know? Super aware your surroundings, dude. He sees her and then he starts laughing. And she's just pissed. I can't believe you. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's essentially what she says. She snaps and she tells him off fuck this, I'm literally out. 
she's planning, I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to pack my shit, and I'm going to leave. Like, screw this guy. <laughs> he can go <laughs> die in a hole. But Bo, this whole time, he's like, he realizes, oh, I made a social faux pas at laughing. That was bad. <laughs> Oops. People don't like to get laughed at. Noted. No. <laughs> and now he apologizes to her. He's like, no, I laughed kind of because I was surprised, not at you necessarily, but I understand that it wasn't appropriate and I'm sorry. And he apologizes for the stuff he said before. Yes, she's right. He is a privileged, spoiled brat. Absolutely. He agrees and he's trying to be better and he's so sorry. And he gives really good apologies. He gives a lot of apologies in this book and they're really fucking good. I'm kind of surprised he's learned how to apologize so well because he is such an ass. That's why. I got the impression he never felt like apologizing before, though. Like, did he? I don't know. Or is, is he special? I don't think he likes to admit that he has to apologize as much as he does. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Apologies are often thought of as weakness. So there's no way someone who wants to be perceived as strong is going to be like, oh, yeah, I apologize a lot at the drop of the hat. And I'm good at it, dude. Like, super good. Because lots of practice. <laughs> you don't get nice people hanging around an asshole this much if they're not good at apologies. The thing is, is this, this book really isolates these characters. We don't get a lot of interactions between Bo and other people. So we don't have a lot to base his baseline on. Aside from Michaela, and he treats Michaela amazing. Yes. So we know he's capable of it, but I kind of interpreted it differently because it felt to me like at the point in the story when Izzy comes into his life, he is in a pivotal moment where he's realized that a lot of the shit he did and said and thought was wrong and he's not sure how to fix it. And he's kind of in this stuck place where he's not sure what to do. He wants to be better, but he's not sure how. And so I didn't really think he did apologize all that much. Yeah, maybe. And so I thought, wow, where did he get this talent from? <laughs> he's read a lot of books. I don't know. Seen a lot of movies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But then you have the evidence from him having a good relationship with Michaela, who's his assistant, but also obviously his friend. Yeah. Of course, I think friends are willing to put up with grumpy pants to an extent. Well, he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. Yes. <laughs> your relationship with someone will determine what you're willing to put up with from them, if anything. So part of this apology involves Bo opening up a tiny little itty bitty bit and he actually confesses to Izzy that he's having trouble writing and that's part of the reason he's been so surly with her. Izzy says that she wants to help him. She truly truly does. She knows he's got a story to tell. All he needs is this help to get him into writing mode and she's willing to do it as long as he doesn't treat her like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like okay it seems like you're sincere i kind of feel bad for you i'm willing to help you i'm willing to stay Bo ends up emailing marta i think and marta contacts izzy and tells her yeah you got a month you can stay there for a month and try to get a book out of Bo." <laughs> i'm like dang 
<laughs> but <laughs> Marta is also like, but you still have to do your job remotely. So Izzy gets to get up at freaking 6 a.m. so she can do her job New York time Yay. in California. Then after that, she plans to work with Bo on his writing. And they end up going into the library, which is one of those, <laughs> a library. Get yourself a guy with a library, libraries. She loves it. It's amazing. It looks well loved as well. It doesn't look like just, oh, a library for show. She has these notebooks with her and she gives Bo one of them. And she's like, okay, I'm going to time you and you're just going to write in the notebook. And Bo was like, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> How is that going to help me? <laughs> Izzy says, well, sometimes you just need to write and this is going to change up the pace from writing on the laptop. The timer will give you like a goal and you can write literally anything. You could write about how you hate that I'm telling you to do this. So very much like stream of thought, almost nano writing, it felt like to me, based on our conversations about nano before. Did you think so, Em? Yeah, that's kind of how it felt like for me. Whereas just... Like, just get words on a page at this point, Bo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the great things about Nano is it makes you do that. I mean, about as much as, as any thing can or encourage you to, which is useful outside of Nano in a variety of ways. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing is you cannot edit a blank page, which is what she says. And it's totally true. And then there's even this thing where Bo admits that he had written a whole bunch of the book before and then just deleted it because <laughs> he didn't like it. I've been there. I get that. <laughs> I was like, no! Like it, it's rubbish! <laughs> Don't delete it! That's terrible! <laughs> delete! Delete! Yep. <laughs> it made me think of you. And I was like, ah, <laughs> The funny why? thing is, when we got to that part, I'm like, oh, Erica will cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did <laughs> and so Izzy's like well do I need to keep this notebook safe for you or something so you don't like rip pages out and burn them or whatever and he's like uh, like part of him he doesn't want her to have it because he's not sure he trusts her not to read it but on the other hand he would totally burn it so he decides to take a leap of faith Let's her hold on to the notebook every night with the promise that she won't look at it. And she doesn't. She keeps to that boundary and doesn't look at it at all. Even though, you know, there's that tiny little piece of her where she's like, I kind of want to know what it says. <laughs> she still doesn't look. Good job, buddy. They've made some progress with the writing. Bo seems a little weirded out every time he takes the book, the notebook back from Izzy because did she read it? I don't know. I guess not. <laughs> She's not ripping my head off. <laughs> head still attached already. And then the next weekend, Michaela goes away again because she gets the weekends off and they bond some more. They have a lot of things in common. Snacks. Yay. Reality TV and period Boo -boo. dramas. Izzy opens up a little bit about her job over this period. Bo has noticed that Izzy's a human being and isn't there solely to give him pep talks. What? Realizes she's kind of in a mood or whatever and wants to know. Izzy, again, isn't really sure how much to divulge at this point. She doesn't want to be unprofessional, but she doesn't want to be dishonest. 
And it's kind of hard when you're working for a company that's paying you to be there (laughs) and then telling the customer of the company that, yeah, the company sucks. (laughs) I think Bo is able to intuit that Izzy is at the very least dissatisfied with how her job is going. Oh, there's one point where Izzy finally goes and hangs out by the pool. Bo goes swimming and Izzy's like, oh, wow. (laughs) Hello. Finally, we get a little bit of tension here. <laughs> There's been a couple moments throughout up to this point where it's like, yeah, he's he's attractive, but he's also an asshole. Mm. Or he's attractive, but he's not my type. Or he's attractive, but we also are working together. But the swimming kind of makes her more aware of how attractive he is and she kind of becomes a little bit more accepting of the fact that she feels attracted to him i guess a little bit she still doesn't intend to act on it at all (laughs) well (laughs) over the next two weeks they develop a routine so every afternoon izzy finishes up with her job in new york and they meet up in the library do their timed writing Bo is finally getting into the swing of it he doesn't even necessarily need the timer He's been doing some editing of his handwriting onto the laptop and whatnot, and things are going pretty well, really. They have TV nights and snacks, and things are wonderful. But one day she gets a message from Priya, who reminds her that she'll be in California soon for a wedding, and is hoping that she can come over. Izzy has been sending her pictures, like, of the amazing bathtub and the view from her room. And Priya is kind of attracted to Bo, not like in a, ooh, I want that sort of way, but like, oh, wow, I want to be around the attractive guy and gawk at him sort of thing. (laughs) I want to oogle him up close in person. I want to see the house. Izzy is like, I'll ask if it's okay. She doesn't feel comfortable about her two lives meeting. Yeah, I don't think she is. I think she's kind of protective of Bo. He's so private and he has opened up an itty bit with her, but not really. And they've made like good progress and she doesn't want to ruin the relationship, you know, the writer editor Mm -hmm. relationship that they're building. And she's like kind of concerned that having her friend over will put a kink in things. Yeah. And so when they meet up, that Friday for writing time, Bo can tell that she's not feeling it. And he declares that they both need a break. <laughs> Let's go to the beach. You haven't been to the beach yet? That's a crime. I'll give you surfing lessons. Izzy has to even buy a swimsuit. She didn't pack a swimsuit to go to California. Crazy girl. Interesting choice. Bo gives her surfing lessons. Izzy has fun in spite of herself. And then afterward, they get ice cream together and go home. Izzy opens up some more to Bo. She tells him about Gavin and how I thought he was nice, but I'm not so sure now. And they're feeling all kind of happy and bonded and things are good. And then Izzy kind of trips because she's sore from surfing and Bo catches her. And there's this moment where he's holding her up and she's enjoying it. And then she's all, oh, wait, wait, (laughs) professional. Hmm? Excuse me, I have to leave now. She does ask Bo if, Priya can come visit and Bo kind of shuts down a little bit. 
he's like, oh, of course your friend can come. But at the same time, he seems yeah. really guarded. And Izzy says, oh, she's hoping she could maybe meet you. But or no, I don't think she even says that. <laughs> I think she's too <laughs> afraid to even ask if she can meet him. <laughs> and she's just kind of stressed about that whole situation. Like, did I mess it up by asking for this? The next writing time that they have, Bo finally asks Izzy to read some of his work. This is a first. And you can tell he's really, really worried about it because he runs <laughs> away. He's like, I have things to do while you read this. Goodbye. You can come find me when you have, when you are ready. <laughs> and she is kind of surprised by how good it is. She really enjoys it. And she has some good feedback for him. And he's not like, I think he was so sure it was bad that he's, he's struggling to under, like, he's struggling to trust what she's saying. And he even says something like, are you just giving me the nice notes first? And then you're going to give me the mean notes later. (laughs) But Izzy tries to reassure him. It's finally time for Priya to come visit. And Izzy's really stressed about this, but she wants to show Priya the cool house. And she wants to protect Bo, and it's kind of difficult to do both of those things at the same time. Priya is really well behaved at the house. She does get to meet Bo and Michaela. Bo is actually nice to her, way nicer than he was to Izzy when they first met. But Izzy is still kind of uncomfortable with the whole situation because it really seems like something is wrong with Bo. Like, he's just not sure about all this. There's this one point where Izzy says something like, oh, yeah, I'm going out to dinner with Priya. And Bo's like, oh, you're not having dinner here? Oh, okay. (laughs) But you have dinner here, remember? (laughs) Remember the thing? You you eat here now. You live here now. (laughs) You are mine now. Excuse me? (laughs) Now, he doesn't say any of those things, but I kind of got that impression from how (laughs) it was written, right? (laughs) All right. So the visit with Priya went well. Bo is back to normal. Uh, Well, normal for him. He finally writes about the night that his dad won the Oscar, and he lets Izzy read it. When she gives him feedback, she says that his writing is missing something. She's like, I feel like you keep hinting at something but you don't actually say what it is and it can be confusing for the reader. Like, what are you really trying to say here? What, what is the point of this part of it? You know, which is valid critique. Yes. (laughs) Bo is really, really fucking nasty to her about this feedback. Like he, like you could just like his face just shudders off and he's just like, well, fuck you too. Yeah. I think he says something like, thanks for your expertise. You're welcome. Jackass. (laughs) 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 and izzy is better behaved than me (laughs) clearly oh she's so amazing she like does not back down at all (laughs) she's like dude you're the one who chose to write this particular story you could have written a completely different story and glossed over all this crap but you chose not to and if you're gonna write this book you have to write about the stuff that it hurts Mm -hmm. to write about And she starts to say, look, I get it's hard to write about all this. And then he interrupts her and he says, how can you possibly get that? You couldn't possibly understand because you're not a writer. You couldn't possibly understand because you've never dealt with this particular bad thing. 
Izzy is understandably pissed off. And she says, you don't know anything about me. You're a spoiled, selfish <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you get him. <laughs> yeah. At this point in the story, she's been giving keys to the house and the car. And so she takes his car and drives off to Good. the beach. Fuck this guy. <laughs> we have a nice beach introspection moment. Izzy is feeling so conflicted. She feels like she trusted Bo with her feelings by opening up to him, letting him know some of the real her. And she's questioning that judgment now. Why did she do that? Why did she let herself get close enough so that he could actually hurt her when he says crappy things? Mm -hmm. Also, she's kind of viewed this whole situation that she's in as a challenge. Like, is she doing the right stuff in her life right now? Should she continue being in publishing? Watching Bo write and helping him has made her want to write again. Is that really what she should be doing? Or has she failed now and should just go home and get a completely different job? <laughs> and she kind of thinks, well, maybe I did fail. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. But then there's this part of her that rises up and is like, Hell no, you are not failing. You will fight for your dreams, damn it. And she's like, okay, I will keep fighting. And so she rallies. That doesn't mean she's going to stay, but she's still going to, like, she's going to go back to New York and keep pushing to rise up in her career and actually write her book and do all the stuff she wants to do. Maybe Bo's an ass, but that doesn't mean she has to give up. So when she gets back from the beach, Bo is sitting outside waiting for her. And she's like, oh, great. Here we go again. But he gives her another really fucking good apology. <laughs> so good. Bo could give lessons on apologizing. Yeah, they'd have to be good. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> this apology is so good that it convinces Izzy to hear him out before she decides to leave for sure. Which is crazy good for an apology. Mm. I think... Once you're in that situation where you're like, fuck this, I'm leaving, it's got to be hard to change your mind at that point, right? Yes. I don't know. Maybe Izzy's just a really forgiving soul. Maybe. <laughs> so she tells him that she's ready to hear him out. And he says, you don't have to listen to me. And she goes, oh, I understand. I don't have to. But I'm letting you do it. Bo opens up to her and tells her all about how his dad is an asshole he kind of idolized his dad for most of his life and wanted to be just like him. And his dad was a total jerk to his mom, constantly put her down or neglect her or whatever. Tell Bo his side of things kind of poisoned him against the mom. The night that his dad won the Oscar, he thanked everybody, but not the mom. And when they came home that night, Bo was so excited that his dad had finally had a win. He'd been wanting a win this whole time. But his parents were like in the middle of a fight because his mom was really upset that she didn't get thanked during his speech. His dad kind of frames it as her overreacting. How did you feel about that her not getting thanked thing? Overreaction or appropriate reaction? I think expecting a thank you as the life partner of the person when they're thanking everybody who ever helped them with the particular thing is pretty normal. <laughs> so I would be hurt if I were in her situation. Yeah. For sure. 
And I think if I suggested to my significant other, hey, I noticed you didn't thank me. What's up with that? I mean, we don't know how she approached it, but let's assume in a okay way. I don't know how it would blow up into a fight unless the other person was really not open to my feelings whatsoever. Or feeling sensitive or like they overreacted internally or something. I don't know. Like, did she attack him or did she just ask him about it? Yeah. Because if she just asked him about it, then he's the one who overreacted. Getting super defensive about things instead of going, oh, wow, I didn't realize that would affect you so much. Oops, I'm super dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what would make it better, but something. Chocolate? No. (laughs) But for it to get to the level where they're having a fight in front of their kid, I mean, and it didn't sound like the mom was really fighting. It just sounded like she was upset and hurt and she didn't get heard. The dad was pissed off that she even brought it up. That's the impression I got from the way the story was told. So I guess, long story short, I don't think it was an overreaction based on what we know about the mom, what we learn about the mom, what type of person she is, and what we learn about the dad and what type of person he is. I'm willing to give the mom more of a benefit of the doubt sort of thing. And I feel like the dad was really defensive and I kind of wonder why. Yeah. I mean, we learn why. Yes. What did you think? I think on similar lines as you do, it depends on how he reacted to the, hey, I noticed you didn't mention me. Because uh-huh. if it's a, hey, and, he, you know, his response is rawr, then uh, what the fuck? But if from her, it comes across as antagonistic, then, yeah, that seems like a bit of an overreaction on her part. Although kind of like an understandable one, because it's like, hey, feelings hurt. But still, yeah. I'm more likely to think that if she did anything wrong, she chose the wrong time to bring it up. Either wrong time and wrong way or... Yeah. But I think being upset that you didn't get thanked during your partner's acceptance speech, I mean, that makes sense (laughs) to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess I need to tell my partner that I expect to be thanked during any possible future speeches he gives. Yes, I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) Make this expectation clear. Of course, to be fair, I honestly can't (laughs) anticipate you not getting thanked. Yeah, that's the thing. You kind of would expect it, wouldn't you? I think sometimes in those moments, and I don't know, I've never been like put on a stage and be like, thank people. I, I could see doing this. I'm going to make a list of the people that I want to thank that I don't think I'll think of in the moment. But in the moment, depending on how big a moment that is, of course, for you, it can still feel like a big moment, even if it's not necessarily Hollywood. You maybe rattle off some sort of lead in thing and then you go, oh, right, my list, my list, I have my list. And so you pull it out and so you read off the list, then you're ushered (laughs) off stage. And it's at that point you go, oh, fuck my spouse. I totally get that. <laughs> but then you'd apologize, right? Or if they were hurt, you'd acknowledge their feelings, right? My first thing would be like, I am so sorry. I am a <laughs> dumb shit. <laughs> like, that would be me. That is clearly not who he is. He is not me. <laughs> I-, I think the other thing is, is if something small, I mean, it could be seen as small, Small like this blows up into that. It's because the cracks are already 
cracking. I don't know where I was going with that. Things have already been picked at, exposed, or it's just like it escalates because there's already stresses and and pressures and all that good stuff. That was my thought too, because I can recognize that if you're in a, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. If you're in a relationship with someone that you're close and you love each other and you trust each other and they come to you and they say, hey, this thing you did, it actually really hurt me. It is hard, even in that situation, to just take it and go, no, okay, I acknowledge that you're hurting without being defensive. It is really hard. But for it to turn into a fight like that, it just seems like he's lacking, I guess, in emotional intelligence at the very least, or unable to understand his his partner's feelings. I just, it is hard to tell someone that you care about that they failed you in some way. And I think it's equally hard to accept that criticism and not be defensive. Yeah. But I think that it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're in a novel and novels <laughs> yes. thrive on conflict. So yes, if you have a no- you novel and everybody's getting along and everything's going so smoothly. Yeah. Where's the story? Yeah. So his parents, obviously their marriage is not doing well and they end up getting divorced Bo's dad ends up poisoning him completely against his mother. Oh, how horrible your mother is, and she never understood me. Yep, getting out that cross. Bo believed him. He idolized his dad, completely bought into his side of the story, cut off his mom, and then when his dad died, his mom came to the funeral, told Bo that she came to the funeral to be there for him, and Bo lashed out at her. Yeah. After that, he ended up going to this house that was left to him by his grandparents, his his mom's parents, by the way. He accepted that deal to write the book. And at first he planned it to be like this vindication of his dad. He wanted to protect his dad. And then he started going through all his dad's old screenplays and noticed all the comments in his mother's writing, including on the one that wrote the Oscar that his mother basically wrote herself. And his dad got the credit for it. He just suffers from this horrible realization that he had believed and protected the poisonous <laughs> parent and was horribly unjust and awful to his mother, who really didn't deserve it, as far as we know. That's where he is at the beginning of the story. He's been coping in this holding pattern at this house Kind of just entrenched with his feelings, not really sure where to go from here. After hearing this story, Izzy decides she's going to stay and help him write. She forgives him. She does get Bo to promise not to lash out at her again. There's a few times during this conversation where Bo tells her, oh, you don't have to do this. Oh, you don't have to say that. And Izzy's like, no, I know I don't have to. I'm doing it because I want to. Have you ever seen (laughs) me do something that I don't have to do if I didn't want to? And Bo says, no, I haven't. And Izzy kind of gets this realization in her mind that, you know what? I've been a total people pleaser up to this point. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow staying with Mr. Asshole has freed her from the prison of people pleasing. Yay! So that's good because it was making her miserable. She's tired of sucking it up and putting a big smile on her face and pretending everything's fine. She doesn't want to do that anymore. They do kind of have a couple things where Izzy says, oh, have you looked into therapy? for all of this he says he used to see a therapist maybe he'll reach out to them again 
And then Izzy somehow convinces Bo to contact his mom. And she's like, you know, you don't have to make plans right now. You can contact her and say you would like to make plans. Baby steps. (laughs) Yeah. So then Bo sends her a text. Then he's freaking out. And Izzy's like, let's go do something that doesn't involve you having access (laughs) to your phone for a while. Maybe you'd like to teach me some more surfing. And Bo's like, yes, yes. Oh, please. (laughs) Get me away from my phone. They have another really good surfing lesson. Izzy even ends up riding a wave while standing, which is amazing. Afterward, they're sitting on the beach and chatting. Bo asks her why she isn't a writer because she's so amazing at helping him. She must be an amazing writer. Why isn't she? Izzy tells him about why she doesn't write anymore, but she's kind of been feeling the bug again. And he says, well, we should make a new rule that during writing time, we both write. Things are kind of intimate, I guess. They're leaning on each other. They're emotionally intimate at this point. They've both opened up to each other. They get back home. She finds out Bo bakes. That's one of the things he does to keep his mind off of things. He's showing her how to laminate the dough for um, flaky pastries. Dude's got a lot of patience. (laughs) I don't have that level of patience when I bake. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he's he got his arms around her, like helping her roll it out to show her like how much pressure to put down on the rolling pin. And it just feels good. Like it feels good to be close to him. She still, I think, has that wall up like, nope, no, professional. Ah, but now they're friends and she is attracted to him. And could it be possible that he's attracted to her? Mm. Who knows? Perhaps Lumiere knows. I have been bound by you before. (laughs) Bo asks Izzy if she'll stay longer and help him continue to write. He feels like he's getting so much done with her there and he's worried that he's going to lose that momentum if she leaves. And she agrees that she'll stay longer, but he has to be the one to call Marta and negotiate that. Must you? (laughs) And he does, and they end up getting three more weeks. So now (laughs) she's been there for quite some time at this point. (laughs) Some more time passes. Bo has arranged to have a visit with his mom that weekend. He's starting to feel really tense about it. Izzy suggests that she drives up with him. Moral support. She can, like, go hang out in the car or go off and do something while they're visiting. He just snaps at that opportunity. He's like, yes, please. (laughs) They drive to LA to go see his mom. She gives him this big old hug once they get there before he goes inside. And then she goes and hangs out at a tea shop while he visits. She makes the choice to reread that first draft that Gavin hadn't liked. She thinks to herself, well, if Bo can be brave enough to go talk to his mom and apologize and everything then I can be brave enough to read this draft. And she realizes that she actually likes the draft and it actually isn't that bad. And WTF, Gavin. (laughs) He is clearly evil, Izzy. Come on. (laughs) I knew this the first time he got introduced. How did she not pick it up? So the visit goes well. Izzy goes and picks up Bo. Bo introduces his mom to her. She's really nice. And then Izzy and Bo drive back home and go to the beach together. Bo tells her how the visit went, which went well. Like I said, his mom must be a really forgiving person. (laughs) He 
he says that they talked about Izzy and his mom is like, yeah, you're really lucky to have someone like her in your life. And Bo agrees. He says to Izzy that he's really lucky that she's in his life. He's really lucky she knocked on his door that day. They're looking at each other. They're close. Izzy's like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And she kisses him. And it's amazing. And Bo is excited. He's like, I've been wanting to kiss you forever. So there's more kissing. There's this little voice in the back of Izzy's head where it's like, oh, I don't know. This is all going to go down in a big dumpster fire. Are you sure you want to be this happy, Izzy? Izzy's like, fuck you, voice. I'm going to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Screw the future. (laughs) Happiness now. All right. So there's a lot of kissing in this book. Like, oh, my God. So much kissing. Like a week of kissing. (laughs) And they don't talk about their relationship status or the future or really anything like that. They just do a lot of kissing. So they have writing time in the library where Izzy proclaims no kissing will be allowed. And then they have kissing everywhere else. It's kind of how things are now. They finally have sex, but it's a real closed door sort of moment in this book. Like real closed door. (laughs) I almost missed it. I'm going to assume it was good because Izzy keeps sleeping in his bed after that. Things are great now, right? Yes. Everything is good. Yes. No. No, the shit must hit the fan. (laughs) Ah, rude. We cannot let them be happy. Screw that. So what's going to make Bo unhappy? Obviously talking about his feelings. Well, (laughs) to be fair, that can make a lot of people unhappy. (laughs) So they have one of their writing times. Izzy reads another part of his book. And it's good, but she gives Bo some more feedback, which is basically like, yeah, the facts are great and all, but I think the reader will want to know why this matters to you. Like, how did this make you feel? And Bo obviously is angry. He's one of those that you can just tell. You can read it right on his face. And he tells her that he needs to take a break. And he goes and stomps off. Izzy's like, um, okay... What's going on? And this is where all the talking they didn't do kind of rears its ugly head. Because she doesn't even know if he's her boyfriend. Or what the fuck they're doing. Or, you know? Who are we to each other? Like, what does this argument mean? <laughs> she kind of has that voice back. That voice in the back of her mind going, See? It was too good to be true, Izzy. Ha ha ha. You are not made to be happy. You are made to suffer. <laughs> Thanks for that. (laughs) She kind of does like this little spiral. Like, oh, who am I? Why am I? What are we? Why did I trust him? Ah, but it's fine. It's all fine. Don't worry, folks. Izzy and Bo talk. Bo tells her, you know, I took a break because I didn't want to lash out at you. So that's why I left. Please don't be mad at me for trying to manage my feelings in a productive way. (laughs) And they both apologize, uh, Bo for not communicating that clearly enough to her and Izzy for making assumptions, I think. Now things are fine, right? Everything's good? Everything's great? No. Um, Well, yes and no. (laughs) Izzy gets an email from Josephine, who is reaching out about a job opportunity and wants Izzy to come in for an interview right away. This is going to cut Izzy's time with Bo short. But she's like, I really need to do this because future? Hello? (laughs) 
I want to work there. (laughs) I don't know who you are, man, I've been sleeping with and kissing a lot. She goes and talks to Bo about it before she accepts this interview or anything, and he kind of takes it as a very professional sort of conversation, like, well, what do you need from me? Again, they don't talk about their relationship with each other. They're just talking about logistics, I guess. And he helps her make plans, and they don't discuss their relationship. They don't discuss the future. Izzy packs up her shit and flies back to New York. Bo says he'll text her, but he doesn't for two days. To be fair, Izzy did not text Bo. (laughs) Again, this is one of those things where it could just have been solved with a conversation. Like, are we gonna still see each other? Or (laughs) what are we? (laughs) You want to put a label on this thing? Or what? Uh, No, no, they did not do that. So because of that, Izzy doesn't know what to expect from Bo. However, the interview went really, really well. And she's really happy about that. She reconnects with her friend Priya and tells her all about it. Priya then tells her about this article that just got released that's saying Bo's book won't get published. Izzy's like, what the (laughs) fuck? What? I just spent weeks with this guy? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) She goes and talks to Marta about it, and Marta has received Bo's draft that he just sent her that morning, and she loves it and says it's amazing. Izzy's like, yeah, so what about that article, though? Like, Marta's, like, super pissed about the article. (laughs) I'm going to find out who that source was that discussed this and deal with them. Great. You do that. Izzy is feeling kind of, I don't know, like, she just wants to be open now. So she tells Marta about the other job that she interviewed for. And Marta's like, oh, yeah, you would be really good over there. That sounds great for you. I would have promoted you, but we didn't have money for it at the time. And you know what? I'm going to call Josephine and tell her how awesome you are. And she does right then and there. Just gives her a glowing reference over the phone. Be proactive. Izzy is realizing (laughs) she made a ton of assumptions that were not (laughs) correct. She thought Marta hated her and apparently not. (laughs) And so it makes her question the whole thing about Bo. Like, so he didn't text her. Well, that doesn't mean she can't text him. Mm -hmm. She goes to get her phone and finds a package at her desk. And when she opens it, she finds the notebook that Bo had been writing in during all their writing sessions. And it has a sticky note on it saying, read me. And so she does. And it's kind of all about her. Like, it's kind of a diary of how he feels about her. He had told her that he had liked her from the very beginning. And this notebook proves it. (laughs) (laughs) Proof. See? Proof. So she leaves the building to go make a phone call to Bo, but he doesn't answer. So she leaves a voicemail. Then as she's heading back inside, she sees him at the security desk. He's trying to see her. (laughs) Yay! He tells her he loves her. She loves him too, but oops, she needs to go back to work. He's like, no, I get it. Let's make plans to meet up after work. As they're reconnecting, Gavin is being escorted out of the building by security. He was apparently fired for being the source of the article. (laughs) Gavin sees Izzy. He goes up and confronts her. He's sure she's the one who told on him. He's really nasty to her. And then Bo tells Gavin off and Gavin leaves. I was kind of pissed off in this scene. Like, dude, let Izzy tell him. She is so good at telling (laughs) people off. Like, we don't need you to step up, dude. Izzy can handle herself. (laughs) She's fine. Yes. It seemed weird 
and kind of yeah. oversteppy to me. And then we get an epilogue one year later. So we learn that after Gavin was fired, Marta offered Izzy Gavin's job. But Izzy's like, no, I still want to work with Josephine. She's better than you. So she has a new job. She's happy. Yay. We learn Priya was the one who told on Gavin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Priya ends up getting Gavin's old job. Izzy and Priya move in together so she doesn't have to live with her parents anymore. And Izzy and Bo are making it work somehow long distance. So she does a lot of remote work in California and then Bo comes to New York a lot and visits. During one of the visits in California, Michaela reveals to Izzy that she actually didn't twist her ankle that day. It was all a clever ruse. What? Bo gives Izzy a copy of his book she gets to read the dedication, and it's to her. Yeah, And that's the end. How was the audiobook? The audiobook was narrated by Sarah Hollis. I think she did a great job at the narration. She depicted the characters well. I really like how she brought Izzy to life. I enjoyed. Are you happy for their happy? I feel happy for them. I think those crazy kids will make it. I think Izzy won't tolerate anything less than... <laughs> shaping up some of his personality (laughs) but no i i feel good about them yeah i'm happy for them what about you i guess i'm the m of this episode because i want to be happy for them oh but i'm not sure i guess because it's more of a happy for now okay we didn't really get a good conversation where they discuss their future or anything (laughs) yeah and I guess they're just being long distance and visiting each other, which is fine, but hard to be permanent with. I have questions. <laughs> I mean, two people can really love each other and want to be together and still have things that keep them apart, you know? Yeah. And I kind of wonder about that for them because of her burgeoning career and whatever the fuck he's doing in California. Yeah. Why didn't he move to New York? Yeah, it feels like they're they're not quite ready to be. Maybe they're they're hesitant. Yeah. So, I'm provisionally happy, I guess. But I'm I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned about whether it will work out long term. That's fair. But let's rate them. Yay! How do you rate Izzy? I thought Izzy was awesome. I liked her. She had a journey of learning to stick up for herself, which is good, because initially, you know, it's like, "Eh, awkward. But no, she improves on that. And I felt like, you know, there were multiple instances of her doing her job really well. She handled herself, her shit, as it were, really well. I don't know. I liked her. I really liked her. What about you? I rate Izzy awesome as well. I really thought she was awesome. (laughs) That was... (laughs) You're clever like me. She was a really strong character. She had a really good sense of self. And she was kind of in this mid-20s struggle zone and realized, you know what? I can ask for what I want. I can look for what I want. I don't have to accept what's given to me. And she does a really good job with that. I was really impressed by her as a character, especially... For how light the tone in this book was, I think the growth journey of Izzy was pretty good. How'd you rate Bo? Bo got better, I think. 
<laughs> Slowly. I, I still feel like there's room for improvement. So I put him as Oxum. Okay. Yeah, I put him as Oxum because there were things about him, the apologies and things where I was like, no, dude, dude's doing okay. But especially initially that like temper, you know, I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Contain thyself. I feel like they're both, especially the way that ended, I feel like they're both kind of like, we like each other, but we also kind of want to know where the exit is. I don't feel like they really committed to each other. Sorry, I tangented. No, that makes sense. And so I think that's why I feel sort of, yes, he loved her from the beginning, which is great. And that was very sweet. And the whole like, now you have permission and and all of that. And that's great. Okay, but where's... Where is the the letting go and the trusting the other person and wanting to actually be with them? Although maybe that is what their being with them looks like. I don't know. Anyway, what about you? How did you rate him? You know how a long time ago we started doing the A side and the B side? (laughs) Yes. I feel like Bo has an A side and a B side and he flips back and forth throughout the story. Okay. A side is asshole, right? (laughs) Yes, I think so. B side is better. (laughs) yeah sure i can't remember but yeah sure let's do that when Bo is on the b side (laughs) he's awesome no question amazing great love him he's sweet he's attentive he picks up on her needs he's caretaky without being super oversteppy except that one time he has his own thing going on he's working on self-improvement he actually makes some steps on the self-improvement over the course of the story yeah you get the impression he's actively working on it because he's gone back to therapy and everything uh-huh. he has chosen to trust izzy and open up to her and even when he stomped out that one time flipped back to a side and stomped out <laughs> he kept his promise and also had the maturity to realize he couldn't control himself right now. So he was removing himself from the situation. And yet the reason he was mad is because she wanted him to write his feelings down, but he shared his feelings with her. Like he trusted her with the feelings. He wasn't necessarily ready to write them, but he wasn't telling her anything. She didn't already know at that point. So B side bow. Awesome. (laughs) A side bow. Borderline abusive. Yeah. I just can't with him. The first time Izzy's like, I'm leaving. I'm like, yes, leave. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you still here? Why is there still a story? I don't understand. Yeah. And then the second time she was leaving, I was like, yes, girl, leave. He's evil. Yeah. (laughs) And I think because of that temper that flips him back to A-side, granted, he's working on it. But to me, it's scary. Yeah. And I guess everyone has their own boundaries and what they're comfortable with and all that. And Izzy, I think, feels comfortable with it to a point. But I definitely wouldn't be. Yeah. And so I really struggle to rate him awesome, like, all the way. I feel like he's kind of like, I rate him Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde. (laughs) That's fair. Like, I'd be constantly waiting for the volcano to erupt. Yes. No, I think you bring up a good point. What a character may be comfortable with isn't necessarily what the reader's comfortable with, you know? And yeah, yeah, that can affect one's enjoyment of the book, but 
the author, of course, has to be honest with their characters. And I feel like Guillory was. I think so. I appreciate what you're saying, because me in that situation, <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't be comfortable either. <laughs> I think it's well written, because yes. the visceral reaction I have to his temper, yeah, <laughs> it just kind of proves the point, right? She obviously tapped into that, able to portray that in a realistic way. I just... I don't know. Not for me, I guess. And that's fair. If it's not for you, it's not for you. If we could have B-side bow all the time. But I, I'm afraid of A-side bow. Yeah, me too. I would be too in that situation. I can I can picture going, and the blunt objects are where? And the sharp objects are where? <laughs> yep. So let's rate the antagonists slash villains. Okay. I don't normally do this. I still feel like I think it's appropriate. So I put Izzy, but it's more Izzy not sticking up for herself, not going after what she wants, which she does. But it does act as an antagonistic element, right? It's It keeps her from getting what she wants. The hero does not, <laughs> is yes. getting blocked by, by the villain of self-doubt or whatever. And then, <laughs> I don't think this will surprise you. So I put Bo on the list. And it's also, like, Bo, like... Shocking. Yeah. It's, it's the temper thing. It's the work ethic thing. The I can't write yeah. thing. Which, she she does her thing. She works her magic and fixes that. But yeah, it's that that acts as antagonist. An antagonist. I can talk. Really, I can. I didn't put his name, but I put the butthead co-worker. Gavin. So were the others, the other two that I mentioned, I felt were very effective because they were present. They always felt kind of present. Not so much with the coworker. So sort of effective. He did the things that an antagonist does, like misdirected and worked on the boss and, and made Izzy question things. But he didn't feel like he was as effective as the other two, which is... Bo slash Bo's work ethic and sort of Izzy's not going for what she wants. What about you? I also put Bo on the list. I think he was super effective. He was a good antagonist for himself and for Izzy. True. And he did have a journey. He realized that he was a butthead. <laughs> he didn't want to be a butthead. And he went back to therapy. So hopefully he'll work on not being a butthead Boo -boo. as much in the future. I put Gavin on the list as well. I agree with you. He was not very effective at all. He was just kind of like, nying, 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 <laughs> off to the side. Honestly, I don't know why Izzy gave him time of day. I guess she wanted to trust him because he was in her same career. Yeah. And he was in the same position she was in and moved up and all that. So she's wanted to see herself in his shoes type of thing. Yeah. But he's so obviously petty and awful that it was honestly a little surprising to me that Izzy didn't write him off because she easily writes off Bo initially like oh, fuck you then this wasn't part of the story but I wonder if she idolized him if having that element in their dynamic would have changed like why she would have not written him off yeah I don't think she idolized him but she did keep trying to frame him as a mentor yeah and I think that's probably true i think that's probably why she didn't write but him no off. i'm saying like if that was played up more yeah then it would be like 
well, maybe, maybe he has a point. He must be doing something that's better than what I'm doing. And he must know some things that I don't. So I better give him the time of day and think more along the lines of what he thinks, because clearly that is what works. He had my job before, mm-hmm. so he knows all this stuff about Marta that I don't know. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I think if we had a little bit more insight, that would have made more sense. Maybe that would have made him more effective. I don't know. I think that he really didn't seem to matter, ultimately. No. And and the things he did didn't seem to matter. So. Yeah. I also put Marta on the list. I think she was pretty effective. I don't think she's a bad person or anything, but she's like one of those bosses that just does not give you feedback, even though you really kind of need it to do a good job. And I think in Izzy's position, especially because she's her assistant. Yeah. You kind of (laughs) need feedback from the person you're assisting to know if you're assisting appropriately. Yes. And she was pretty effective because I think... That, more than the Gavin thing, contributed to Izzy's dissatisfaction in her current career and making her question her choices and everything. Maybe things would be different if I worked for Josephine because she's thinking Josephine would give me the feedback and help me succeed, whereas Marta just threw me in a pool and expected me to swim. Which unfortunately is what life is like, but yes, it is not particularly helpful. No. Like I say, I don't think Marta is a bad person. I thought she was an interesting character. I I appreciated the character development for her. And she felt realistic in that way that sometimes some bosses or some people are just like, swim if you can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Floaties, please. No? Okay. (laughs) And then there's that meeting that Izzy had with her toward the end where she does speak up for herself and Marta kind of finally gives her the feedback that Izzy wanted and that makes me think well Izzy could have asked for it at any point and gotten what she wanted which is really the lesson that Izzy learned during the story right and and I mean I've had employers like that too where it's like if they think someone isn't showing enough initiative they don't feel like they want to try is what it seems like because they're like well if they're not going to put in the effort then nah Never mind. I don't want to do it. I don't want to call them back or chase after them. Yeah, I think the situation is kind of nuanced, really, because you can have a boss like that. And I think ultimately, that's probably not the best way to be someone's supervisor. But there's also like a boundary there, too. Like maybe you tried and they didn't rise up to the challenge. And then you just kind of like, okay, well, fuck you. Yeah. So I could see like reasons for it. Not necessarily in Izzy's case, but... It just goes back to communication. (laughs) Both sides. (laughs) Conversation. Typically takes two people, although we can have them with ourselves. So, not necessarily. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Or the bathtub. Yep. That's my list, I guess. Yay, good list. How did you rate the book? I enjoyed the book. I really, and again, I really liked Sarah Hollis's performance. So I gave the book a four. I enjoyed. I had a good time. What about you? I gave it kind of like a 2.5-ish. There were a lot of things I really liked, but I think ultimately the book just wasn't really for me. Like, it's just so light and frothy. It was very light. Nothing seemed to matter. Yeah. The stakes didn't feel planted well. Yeah, and as much as I liked Izzy, I didn't really connect with Izzy. Okay. I wanted to, but... You do or you don't. 
I don't connect with a lot of characters. It's fine. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it was the tone of the book. And maybe I just wasn't into it at the time. Because I've enjoyed, I've rated other frothy books higher. Yeah, and I usually don't. Maybe it was just my mood. I think mine definitely was mood affected. I do have to say, though, that as I read it, it got better to okay. me. Like, at the very beginning... I was completely put off by the prologue. Oh, okay. Because Izzy is super happy and just everything's wonderful. And oh my gosh, I love my life. And I was just like, ah, why? <laughs> there are too many exclamation points in this story. I, I saw that as like, ooh, the shoe's going to drop. <laughs> That's just me. I was thinking, well, thank goodness this is the prologue <laughs> because, ooh. And then as I started reading, I was like, oh, I don't really care that you're going on business. I don't care about any of this. Why? Yeah. But as we got into the more complicated stuff where Izzy and Bo are connecting and discussing each other's feelings and problems and all that, I I really enjoyed those elements, like the building of the intimacy and whatnot, the emotional intimacy. I think, though, then we got to the part where they finally got physical, and it was just like, kiss, 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 kiss. And I was just like, oh, God, why? Stop. Yeah. I just, ooh. And it's kind of funny, because I've had this experience with other books where they finally have sex, and then you have, like, 50 pages of sex. Oh, yeah. And I get the same feeling. It's like, okay, I good for you. <laughs> have the sex. Enjoy the sex. I don't need to hear it every time. Because I think unless the physicality of the relationship matters to the story, I struggle to see why it's in the book. I mean, I get, okay, so sometimes you read a book for the erotic elements. Okay, great. But as far as like the crafting of the story, I want more than that from my authors. Yeah. You know, I want it to have a point. I don't want it to be gratuitous. Yeah. No, I get it. A lot of the time... In a book that's more explicit, important emotional intimacy or character building and stuff happens during sex scenes or after or before mm -hmm. or whatever, right? I was like, okay, well, we're not having sex scenes in this book. So we're having kissing scenes, which is fine. And there were a few scenes where it did matter to the relationship in a way. But a lot of it was just like, okay, and now they kiss. Now they kiss. They're people who kiss now. <laughs> and it got old. Fair enough. So then I kind of checked out at that point and then we got back to New York and I'm like, okay, how is Bo going to fix this? Because I wanted Bo to fix mm. it. He kind of did, you know, sending her the notebook, coming to see her, all that. But then they still don't have that critical <laughs> conversation Yeah. at any point in this story. And it just left me feeling dissatisfied. I was just like, uh -huh, why? <laughs> why did I do this to myself? So would this be a weird place to transition into the, did you feel romanced? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I didn't and ultimately it's all Bo's fault <laughs> I just I can't I can't want my heroine to be with a hero like that I just it's not uh, no no especially in a world where that's clearly not okay I mean if it were a dark romance and it was fine then okay fine but it wasn't <laughs> and it obviously wasn't a world where it wasn't fine no, that makes sense for him to be so aggressive with her and hit her where it hurts emotionally it's just supremely fucked up and <laughs> not romantic yeah and then for her to forgive him it just it hurt my heart for izzy like 
don't forgive him, girl. You deserve better. And maybe she'll realize that. Maybe that's why it's happy for now. <laughs> Let him work on himself, and then maybe you guys can reconnect after a few years and see how it goes. You know, sometimes that's really, I feel like, what should happen in some romances. Well, did you feel romanced? No. I mean, I was entertained. <laughs> you liked it. And I liked it. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel good that Izzy's like, it's fine. Because <laughs> I'm like, Ur. as I was saying, like, that is sometimes how I feel about some of the romances is like, no, they need to work on themselves before they actually make a commitment or before I believe that they're going to make it really. Yeah. But that is often not done for either because the the story just can't fit that, the format or whatever, to allow for that to happen. Typically, they're novels, so they can <laughs> extend in time. But it also wouldn't feel satisfying to, like, have them not get together. And then in the epilogue, which I think this is, was done in at least one of the other stories, and that never feels right either. <laughs> It's like, no, no, that that's not. But time in most of these romances, especially contemporary, it feels like time feels like they have to fit it in with a certain time frame. And if it doesn't happen in that time frame, then they kind of fit it in the suitcase to make it fit <laughs> rather than just allow for greater flexibility or look at the outline and just be like, OK, at this point. Let's separate them, like truly separate them for a while and then have them find their way back to each other. Yeah, I think a bigger gap between her leaving for New York and them reconnecting might have been good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But I've, I feel like we've seen that quite a bit in romances. And I don't know why. I don't know why the stories don't do that. Maybe the author is worried or authors who, who do this, maybe they're worried about losing momentum in the story, which I can understand. I mean, depending on where the couple is, sometimes it's better to, to have that happen just so that you can readdress the stakes and readdress the tensions. The problem in this story is the same problem in so many others, so it's not like, by the book does this and no other stories do this. <laughs> right. There, there haven't been new stories for how many thousands of years at this point? Like, no. <laughs> they all do very similar things. Well, what else have you been reading? So, <laughs> this is a weird thing to admit on a reading podcast. So I haven't really been in a reading mood lately. <laughs> Maybe because I've been more in a writing mood. I'm not really in a reading mood. What I'm recommending is not a book, again. I'm recommending Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, which is created and mostly written by Shonda Rhimes. And just in case you're wondering, Erica, yes, we are watching it. It is on our list. I have already added it. <laughs> the list that never ends. Yes. This might sound like a threat. I don't mean it to. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to watch it. And you're going to like it. I mean, we'll see. Which actually... I usually don't say that and you're going to like it because that's all you, <laughs> whether or not you will. But yes, the watching, the watching will happen. No, it's it's more like I shall yes. expose you to this. Yes, you're going to get exposed. <laughs> it's going to happen. So anyway, it's a historical drama about Great Britain's Queen Charlotte, her life struggles and triumphs, all that goodness. The series starts with her getting married to King George. 
it carries through like her sort of learning the political game that is her life and also how she kind of keeps her sanity. (laughs) Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. So all that goodness. I'm really, really excited to see where the series goes. I really hope it keeps going. (laughs) One of the things I really (laughs) like about it is, and I'm not going to do spoilers or anything, but I really like how the series handles drama, which I think sometimes we lose the appreciation that drama is both comedy and tragedy, the interweaving of those things. Yeah. And this show does that very well. So, yay. And I hope they're already filming season two. I don't think they are, but I hope they are. (laughs) (laughs) It's just my personal want. (laughs) What about you? What have you been reading? So I recently finished How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey. It's a thriller, contemporary, mystery type story. We have an unreliable narrator in the main character, Grace, who was raised by a single mother, realizes that her father was a rich asshole and did not offer help to the mother when the mother Mm. truly needed it and wrote off that family because they were the side family. Mm. And so when her mother dies, Grace decides she's going to kill everyone in her father's family. And she does. Well, all right then. (laughs) (laughs) The story is written supposedly by her while she's in prison for a crime that she didn't commit. And she's pissed off about it because she murdered all these people and didn't get caught. And then she gets framed for something else. Hmm. And then there's a bit of a mystery, too, because we're not sure how successful she was at killing everyone in her family. And also part of her plan is that she's going to then come out as the only surviving relative of her father and have Mm -hmm. all his money. And we don't know if that happened as the story goes. And so you learn more about her, you learn more about her history, you learn more about certain family members, all the different things that she does in order to kill these people and make it look like an accident. Most of them kind of, I mean, I hesitate to say deserve to die, but you're kind of happy they died. (laughs) Yay. As a reader. (laughs) But there were, there, there was at least one where I was like, Oh, Ooh, that one hurt. Whoops. It's also really, really kind of British. So it has that kind of element to the storytelling. So kind of um, self-deprecating and whatnot. And then Grace, she's not super likable. She's very judgy, but she's very interesting. Yay. Interesting. I will say that even though I super enjoyed the book, I was a little upset about the end. But you do get your questions answered, so at least there's that. So that is my thrilling recommendation. And we've reached the (laughs) end. Um, It's the end end. of the episode. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for social media links, show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify. You can subscribe to our social media that we don't interact with at all, but we could (laughs) maybe someday if you subscribed. You'd find out. Speaking of non-interactive social media. No. Um. <laughs> anyway. I'm just trying to help you out, Em. Yay. <laughs> Were you romanced by Izzy and Bo's story? 
Let us know what you think, maybe, if you feel like it. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Happy Plays by Emily Henry. Oh, so I wrote down this, this line. This is my favorite line from By the Book. Okay. This is not a house where we waste cheese. <laughs> I am not delivering that line the way they did in the book because it's me, but yes. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that, given what day it is. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I was just going to say that. I, I especially appreciate that being due, due to the timing of it being Tuesday, apparently, Whee! for us. <laughs> Which, I'm trying to remember why that's in my calendar, but it is, and it's staying there. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Some things in life you just don't question. You just go with it.